Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm your host, Paula Jenkins. I invite you to join me as we explore how inspiring people have chosen joy in their lives and what they have to share with us about how to jumpstart joy in the world. Plus, how do we follow our own hearts, find work that lights us up while mindfully noticing the role joy plays in our own journey. Welcome to episode 149. This is Paula Jenkins, the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. This week on the show, I'm really excited to have Heather Chauvin joining me. She's the host of the podcast Mom is in Control, and she has the amazing Dying to Be a Good Mother TED Talk, which you can find on YouTube. I'm thrilled to have Heather joining me today to talk all about abundance, ambition, time management, and how she found her way to a career that she loves after being diagnosed with stage four cancer. She is a true inspiration, and I'm just so delighted to feature her as the last guest of season three. Before we get to that, I want to say a very warm welcome and thank you so much, as always, for tuning in each week to listen to Jumpstart Your Joy. If you're new here, this is a weekly podcast that comes out on Tuesday mornings, and it first launched about four years ago. There's 148 past episodes that you can find over at the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And if you want to find the show notes for this specific episode, you can find them at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Heather. And while you're there, you can check out all those past episodes and find a link if you're interested in starting your own show. I have a podcasting fundamentals class that will give you a cheat sheet on all of the hardware and software that you would need to start a show and then also dives in to some of the mindset and some of the scariness of putting yourself out there and becoming a podcaster. So you can find that at jumpstartyourjoy.com. Also, I am super excited that as we are rounding the corner to the season finale, I love to spend time pulling together like a top 10 countdown of the most downloaded shows. And so that takes a little time to pull together. And as we're working our way there, I am thrilled that over the next four weeks, I'm going to be trying out a new format where I do some quickie episodes that are each solo casts, and they will be 10 minutes on a few topics that have stood out to me over this past season. So this next week, I'll be talking about essentialism and some of what happens when you get laser focused on the things that matter the most. (laughs) So come back next week for that. And let's just dive right in. Here is the exciting interview with Heather Chauvin. Welcome. This week, I am so excited to have Heather Chauvin joining me. She is the host of Mom is in Control. And oh, I'm so glad you're here, Heather. Welcome. I'm excited. I love these conversations. Thank you, Paula. Oh, yes. I was so, so excited to have you on. Well, I mean, I think the question I usually ask most people right out of the, the gates is, tell us what you loved most as a child or in school. What were your earliest sparks of joy? Okay. So when you asked me this, I was like, oh, dang, I think that's why I do what I do. Because a lot of it was I didn't have sparks of joy as a child. Mm. Yes. And maybe moments. One thing I do remember and coming back to what I do now is I loved selling rocks. (gasps) Yes, I love rocks. (laughs) 
And I love, so this is, you want to talk about learning and discovering that you are an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I would take the rocks out of my grandparents' driveway and clean them and shine them up. And they would sparkle because they would have a little bit of like that crystal in it. I have no idea. I'm just like, whatever. They were sparkly. And I would create a little table at the end of the driveway and I would sell them and the neighbors would buy them. Usually the adults that felt bad for me for about a dollar or so. And I was like, look, and I would sell them back to my grandparents. So they were paying for the rocks that were in their driveway. That's amazing. I love it. I I was fascinated with rocks. My son is fascinated with rocks. We have a collection. So yeah, I get it. That is, that is very cool. And now I love it. Every time I go on vacation and, you know, if my children aren't with me and I'm traveling, I'm usually like buying crystals and stuff for them. And I just love rocks and crystals. So I think it's so cool and neat how these things were within us as children and we just have to come back to them. Yeah. Do you have a favorite rock that you carry or anything that like stands out as a favorite right now? Not really. I think I just bought some selenite. Nice. Is it, I, I'm bad with names. It's purple. Mm-hmm. But I was hosting a retreat in Muskoka Woods, Ontario, because I live in Canada. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just got some from there. It was really cool. But what I do like is I always lose them. And yeah. then I find them when I feel I need them the most. And I just think that's cool. That is cool. Yeah. I, I recently started carrying I don't know why. I got fascinated with rocks again. And so right now in my pocket, I think it's in there right now. Yeah, I've got a ruby and forsyth, which I'll link up to. It's this really beautiful, like it's almost a turquoise blue with white and then ruby bits in it. And it's like, I mean, it's just cool. And then I got a blue, a blue stone that was from, well, I bought it at Stonehenge, but it's not from Stonehenge. (laughs) Anyway, because that's a Welsh rock. (laughs) But anyway. I bought my... I think for one year, I don't know if it was Christmas or something, I bought like rose quartz for all my mm. kids' teachers. And she's like, what is this? <laughs> like, oh, God, it's going to be a long year. <laughs> and you're like, but it's a really lovely grounding stone. It's so like warm and lovely. Put no, it in I your pocket. Yeah, oh, you need you're this. giving me a rock. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Well, and now, would you explain what it is that you do now, Forrest? Yes. So in, well, I was going to say in this moment, because everyone always wants that elevator pitch, right? Oh, yes. Yes. What's that brand? What's your message? What's your purpose? Mm -hmm. And then we're trying so hard to find our purpose, right? Because we're going to pay people thousands and thousands of dollars to tell us what our purpose is when I believe we're always living it. But right now in my business, I am helping women understand themselves and their children on a deeper level. So I started this whole process. I I used to be a social worker and I couldn't do it anymore. I remember walking into work every day avoiding walking into work every day going, I hope they call me and cancel my shift. I hope they call me and cancel my shift. And I'm like, wow, I love what I do. Why am I saying that? And I remember walking in every day going, I cannot do this for the next 30 years of my life. I just, you know, I was starting my career. I'm like, I can't do this. I will not do this. How is it that everyone else is here? And I I just can't do it. Like, am I a failure? Because I can't do this. So because my soul was screaming at me, 
don't do this, don't do this. I'm like, well, I love helping people and there's something more here. And I have three boys. They're 13, eight, and five. I always, I always am like, how old are you right now? How old are you right now? So 13, eight, and five. And when my oldest was about four years old, he was struggling with anxiety. And I had no idea. So in literally, I'm working in mental health and I have no idea how to help my son. So I find mindfulness. I find meditation. But Paula, I did not find it for me. Mm, right. <laughs> I found it for my son yeah. because he's the one who needed to meditate, not me. <laughs> <laughs> no I love way. these little universe nudges. I've had a yeah. few myself and you're like, yeah. ooh, you got me. Darn it. <laughs> If I tell Heather to meditate, she won't do it. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to her. You know, she's going to do it for her son because as parents, we'll do anything for our kids. So I'm going and I'm going and I'm like, okay, learning about meditation. I'm implementing mindfulness. And then I have this aha moment going, oh, dang, I'm the one who needs to meditate. Mm. You know, if I want him to feel in control of his anxiety, wow, I didn't even know I had anxiety. I didn't even know that I was a sensitive person. So when you asked me at the beginning what it was like to be a child, I was an uber sensitive child. I was that extrovert. I was that introvert disguised by an extrovert, right? I'm the ambitious go-getter, but I'm also a sensitive soul who needs a lot of downtime, who likes to be isolated, but loves to be with connection with people. So discovering who you are and how you want to show up in the world, that's like, that's a journey. So as a child, I found myself isolated, but then going down the rabbit hole. And then through my teen years, my drug of choice was sleep. I'm just going to sleep everything off because I don't know what I need. I didn't know how to eat. I didn't know how to take care of myself. I didn't know how to exercise my body because I wasn't a quote unquote athlete. So it was like, well, if you're not good at sports, don't even attempt to exercise. Mm -hmm. So discovering a lot about myself, my son brought me to this. And then the more kids you have (laughs) growth on steroids, you've got to really show up. So I decided to leave my job. I started implementing meditation and mindfulness just in local community centers, just like my, my kids' friends and their parents coming and going, hey, let's, let's teach you how to breathe. Let's teach you how to use your lungs. And I started noticing that these parents were looking at me with like these big eyes going, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. And I need this. And I remember one woman saying to me, did you fix my child's behavior? And I was like, oh, no, this isn't what it's about. It's not about fixing anybody. It's about becoming. It's about finding that like light and spark within yourself. So then I just, I was like, hey, I really, really want to go for this. And so I went online and now I have to call myself a coach because I can't be a registered social worker with the way that online world is. Mm -hmm. And I've decided to just go with it. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to create a podcast and I'm going to use, I'm going to throw F-bombs on my podcast. (laughs) I'm going to call it. Yeah. I'm going to call it explicit and I'm going to be myself. And I, oh my gosh, Paula, I can't tell you the impact it's made when women that I work with who, you know, attracted people from 
all walks of life. So it's not just, you know, a certain type of person, all walks of life who listen to the podcast or who work with me. And, but to see people who we see every day in society fully functioning. And, you know, at my last retreat, when we're in our little circle and everyone's being completely honest and vulnerable, and there's 10 of us and three of them say, I have a secret to tell you. I've been burnt out and overwhelmed so much in my life. I, you know, while I'm driving down the street with my kids in the car or driving myself home, I've considered swerving into the other lane just to end the pain and discomfort of the life I've created for myself. And, and I'm like, we're in an epidemic and nobody's talking about it. And that is what, that's what I do now. I bring women back to life and help them really understand themselves and their children. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That gave me goosebumps to hear somebody that somebody says that and and thank God for the space that you provide, like that you open up the safe space for someone to say that and, and then be totally accepted. Like, cause Mm -hmm. I think that's the fear, right? That we're going to say that because we've all felt something similar, I bet. And we're going to say that and then somebody's going to get on us about it or we're going to be judged out loud. And that's really the last thing somebody needs, somebody needs when they've just said something like that. Yep. Or someone tells you, I wanted to eject from life. Mm, (laughs) And then they're like, but I don't want to hurt myself. And I said, I get it because Mm -hmm. we're so conditioned by culture that if you tell me something, therefore I need to do X, Y, Z. And I think there's a very vulnerable space where we have to be, we have to let people express themselves. And we've become so labeled and so prescribed and so judgmental and what is right, what is wrong, what words can you say? And people are now walking around going, I don't even know what to do. So therefore, I'm just going to be continuous to live by default and to go with the flow and to do what everyone else is telling me to do because I'm terrified to make a mistake. Yeah. Well, and how do we, or how does one of those people, how do we shift it? Like, I mean, I know I love the book Overwhelm by mm-hmm. is it British Bridget Solti, which I'll link up to. And that and she talks deeply about like how the Danish have come up with a very different way, like of raising children, even of like that, you know, you it's really lifestyle design versus it being versus it being like just status quo. But I don't know if that's is that the way to go in the culture that we're in in the US and Canada? I don't it would take a big shift. It, it mm-hmm. takes a lot of mindfulness to get there. So I don't what do you what do you see working for people? It's funny because I have a client in Denmark and she was reading a book like that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I live in this culture and I still need to read these books mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's all over the world. It's yeah, you know, and then we live this perceived, oh, over there it's easier. Right. Over there it's easier. Therefore I'm going to do that. But guess what? It doesn't matter. Busyness is like infectious and Mm -hmm. it's kind of seeping into everywhere. And I think, you know, the internet is, it has the dark sides, right. And the light sides, because we get to be connected like this, but at the same time we can Google every symptom we have. So how do we start? Yes. It takes tremendous mindfulness. Yes. It takes tremendous consciousness. And I think that's for whatever reason, I don't know if we're waking up to this or if we've lost it and we're coming back to it. I think we're in a shift, to be honest with you, where people are starting to wake up and they're like, no, not enough. Mm -hmm. What I find is there's always resistance, right? There's going to be resistance in anything. If you think about working out, for example, 
you don't get muscle unless you're in a state of resistance, right? The burn, the discomfort, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. You're like, no, you're just pumping your arms like 10 times. You're not going <laughs> right. to die, right? But the brain is telling you, stop, stop. This is This hurts. This is very uncomfortable. Please don't do this to me. And that's what life does. So I tell people, like, and what I teach is you got to know how you want to feel, at least. I'm a huge advocate of Danielle Laporte and Desire Map, but you have to know how you want to feel. So four years ago, I was diagnosed with a stage four cancer. That was a huge punch in the gut from the universe or wake up call. No longer was the universe just ringing my doorbell. (laughs) Because it was ringing my doorbell for a long time saying, Heather, pay attention to yourself. And finally, finally, I said, oh, oh, now you're trying to get my attention. So I was diagnosed and everything that I was learning up to that point was like, it's go time, Heather. It's really time to learn, like to implement what you've learned. So you got to practice what you're going to preach now. And I thought I was going to die. And my core desired feeling from the desire map. If you read that book, it's a magical book. So good. Yes. Yeah. And I read the book before I got sick and I was just like, oh, okay, this isn't any more, no more spiritual entertainment. This is all about doing, right? Doing the work. I wanted to feel alive. Most of my teen years, I did not feel alive. My childhood was average childhood, but I did not really feel alive. There was a lot of depression and negativity around me. So I grew up with this sense of like not knowing how to like experience joy. I didn't know how to experience joy. And that's a lot of unlearning that you have to do. So I was like, I want to feel alive. I don't want to die. And I don't know how to do that. So I remember sitting there because I had lots of time by myself sitting there and going, how do I feel alive? Well, today, instead of lying in my bed, you know, crapping my pants and vomiting from treatment and just sitting watching TV and saying, poor me, poor me, I can go for a walk or I can call that one friend who brings me joy. I can call that one friend who I have a really good conversation with. I can just read to my kids in bed. I can do little subtle things. And then as I started to get my strength back, I was like, ah, I'm going to train for a half marathon. I'm going to go on this adventure. I'm going to go on that adventure. And really it was about how do I want to feel and what do I want? And that's been my daily kind of mantra or map, you know, life by design, if that's what you want to call it since then is how do I want to feel in my business? How do I want to feel in my marriage? How do I want to feel parenting? How do I want to feel when I open my bank accounts? How do I want to feel in my body? How do I want to feel in my relationship with food? How do I want to feel when I'm talking to my mother on the phone? And all of these things, I couldn't, I can't change the other person, but what I can change is my reaction to it. I can change my daily actions. I can change my habits and I can say, not this. No way. No, I am not burning myself out while I'm, you know, building my business. And I am, you know, my business is way more successful than it ever was. And I work half the time because I got honest with myself and I created systems and strategies and a team that worked in alignment with what I wanted. I love it. And it's, it's so interesting because a lot of people who kind of have that like through line of joy in their lives have that very thing that you're talking about, which is they made the choice 
it's it's not just going to happen. Like mm -hmm. everybody hits some place in their life where things feel hard, whatever that thing is for you may be very different, but then there's that choice of how do I want to feel? And I, I think that's so amazing. And I think, I don't know why this popped into my head while you were saying it is a total tangent. Well, kind of, but like even Joanna Gaines, who is of fixer upper fame is she writes in her book about how she realized she was making homes, like designing her own home for the way she thought things should look, right? Like that mm -hmm. same thing of like, how should we all look on the outside? And, and then she realized as they moved into the next home, she's like, my family can't even be a family in this space. Mm. We can't feel what we want to feel. We, we have to put everything away every day because we're doing shoots, you know, for the blog or whatever. And she's like, so I made the next house all about them, about how can we be a family in this space? How can we feel what we want to feel in this space? And when I read that, I was like, my gosh, she's like, she picked it up, but it's like, so I don't know, it's just a tangent on a different a level. Mm -hmm. But it, so I guess what I'm saying is it's, it translates through to everything when you can pick it up and make the choice. I find it, I find it so interesting because there was that whole baby boomer thing. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, that was the era of we now have money that we can give to our children, right? Yeah. We have, that would be, I guess it's my mom is a baby boomer. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it's like, oh yeah, this is easy for us. Let's just work in a factory. We have good paychecks and we'll give you, you know, whatever you want as a child. And then I'm like, heck no, I'm not working in a factory. <laughs> I could never do that. And I look <laughs> at my mother and she's a factory worker and she's almost retired and watching her, literally her body deteriorate. And she's like, oh, Heather, I got, I got two more years and I got to hang on to this pension. And I'm like, oh my gosh, mom, but you're dying. You're literally dying. And here I am going, the only reason why I have this mindset is because of my mother, because of, you know, how she raised me. But I don't know. I feel like everyone is starting to wake up to possibility of, I don't need to feel this way anymore. And yeah. realizing that it's not about the money. Yes, money is fabulous. Money is great. But, you know, I'm not driven by it anymore. And even though, Yes, you want money, you want to pay the bills, but like giving back, oh, that feels so much better than going, okay, I have the new latest and greatest, right? Mm -hmm. You get like instant hit with that. And then after you're like, well, the kids broke it. Now I'm angry, right? So it's, it's what is that essence? What's that purpose? But in order to do that, you got to stop and you got to ask yourself. And not many people are doing that. Yeah. They're not stopping and they're not asking, does this work for me? Right. Yeah. Well, in so many work? cases, isn't it something along the lines of like, it works until it doesn't. And that's when you're like, and is that the realm of like, I think Liz, or Liz Gilbert says something about like, the only people, the only time people really make changes is when they're, they just get sick of their own bullshit. But yeah. I don't know if, if it's in there somewhere. And sometimes it's the decision that like, this thing is no longer working for me. So I have to change. But then like in many other cases, the universe goes, hey, how about this? And you're like, oh, whoa, now I can't. I just cannot continue in the way that I've been going. Well, she had, uh, I remember reading this like poem or writing from Elizabeth Gilbert on her Facebook and it was called Not This. Mm, yeah. And so I read it on my podcast and everyone's like, yes, yes. And I'm like, why is this the most revolutionary thing? They're like, that's exactly what I don't want. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you want? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, well, you know what you don't want, right? Yeah. So ideally you want the opposite of it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be angry anymore. Okay, cool. What do you want to be? Well, I yeah. don't know. 
Is it that you don't know? Or is it that asking yourself that question is challenging your thinking, which is stepping outside of the box? So now I remember at the beginning of the year on the podcast, I was like, it was like an, this is easy challenge. Mm-hmm. Everything felt easy because I'm in the process of writing a book. So I was like, guys, <laughs> this is going to be easy. I know what I need to do. And I kept using that. I didn't want to write. I don't want to write. I don't want to write. I'm like, this is easy. All I have to do is sit down, open my computer, ask myself one question and write. Mm-hmm. That's it. This can be crappy. This can be easy. <laughs> and and so when I'm asking my clients, I'm like, I don't want this. I just don't know what I want. I'm like, yes, you do. What is it? And then if I keep asking that question, they're like, I want freedom. I'm like, great. What does freedom look like? I oh, I don't want to work as hard anymore. Or you know what? I don't, I don't want to be married. Or I do want to be married, but just not to my husband. That is, you know, not to this version of my husband. And I'm like, okay, great. And then sometimes they make those shifts and they're like, I want to be married now. I'm like, what was it? They're like, I had to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And after I asked for help, he understood me. And then he understood what I needed because I told him. And that's been a big game changer in uh, my my marriage as well is I didn't know what I wanted. So then I look like a lunatic and my husband's just sitting back going, oh, my God, I don't know how to help her. I don't know what she wants. But once yeah. I felt more in control of what I wanted, I'd say, hey, I need to I want to go to yoga tonight. Great. Awesome. That's fine. I'll, you know, I'll stay home with the kids or I'm just going to go for a quick walk. Cool. Awesome. You know, when I gave myself permission to want what I want or go after what I needed, it wasn't that he wasn't there to support me. He just didn't know what I wanted. Yeah. Well, and then there's that action piece too of like people could sit in the space of I'm frustrated. I don't know what I want. And therefore it's very hard for anyone, myself included, to be pleased with myself. But when you take the action and put a little courage around it and say, yeah, honey, I just need to get out of the house or whatever it is, then everyone can be satisfied in it. Why do you think though that people, I feel like there's something in there right there where you get stuck, where it's either too scary or you don't maybe have a role model for how someone asks for what they need or like, how do you move through that? If you're like, I just either I don't know, or I, I couldn't say that. How could I ask for that? Mm -hmm. So this is why my clients don't like me. (laughs) (laughs) So gonna be good then. <laughs> I'm like, this is why you need a coach, like hands down. Yeah. I realized in my work, I'm like, I don't want to be a therapist anymore. I don't want to listen to people's problems. Mm-hmm. And because in counseling, it can get like that, right? Counseling, yeah. therapy, social work, depending on you know the systems and structures. And, and people would be like, Heather, can I just work with you one off for an hour? I said, heck no. They're like, why? I said, because you're not going to sit here and dump all your crap on top of me and then leave. And I never know if you took action. So now you need to invest in yourself and it's a pocket and a container of time. And you are not scared by the investment. You are scared of, can I actually do this? Can I complete my goals? Can I go for it? So like, just to back up a little bit, when I was getting into personal development and coaching and all of that, I'm like, why don't I have what I want? And, you know, we all get into the universe and law of attraction and all of that. And one big gap, 
especially in The Secret, the book, The Secret, the yes. movie. <laughs> yeah. They don't talk about action at all. No, they don't. It's more like you just sit there and then that wonderful car you're imagining. Yes, here. exactly. Like, it makes me nuts. Yeah. And I've had Paul Selig on. I'll, what, I'll link up to that episode. But like the idea that it's no, it's not about just the manifestation of things. There's true action. But go ahead. Sorry. Yes. I love that you're well, on. No, it's, this. it's just. <laughs> You know, it's funny because you're brainwashed, right? Because mm-hmm. I used to look at people. Okay, this is so dumb. I can't even believe I'm admitting this, but you can tell where your mental health is. I say mental health. I need to go over it. You tell where your brain is when like, you're just in a dark place in your life. But I remember mm-hmm. just wanting to sleep all the time. Mm-hmm. I had no energy whatsoever. So I'm like, sleep, sleep, sleep. I would go over to my friend's house. I'm like, how does your house, like, why is your house so clean? Like, how is it so clean? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, I'm, I clean it. Like, I, oh, I clean it. I take action. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. So if I want a clean house, I need to one, clean my house, two, hire a cleaner if I don't want to clean it, or declutter my house so that when I clean, it's not as hard. Right? Why couldn't I figure this out? If I want an empty sink, I just have to clean the dishes. I need to take action. So you sit there, you stare at the sink, and you're like, these dishes, these dishes, these dishes, and it eats away at you. If If I wanted to feel better in my body, it's not about starving myself or like even losing weight. It's about working out, like moving my body. So instead, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, poor me, poor me, poor me. Well, one day, one day the universe is going to bring it to me. So if I wanted to be successful in my business, I had to have a plan. I have to have a marketing strategy. I have to actually take action on it. So if I want to write a book, guess what, Heather? You have to physically write. You don't have to do it by yourself. I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. You don't have to do it by yourself but you need to have a plan, take the action and have accountability. Yeah. Well, and I think that, so my mixture is both life coach and project manager. And so it's like that kind of, yes, all project managers, <laughs> right? I well, could and- not live without project managers. Well, and I, I only have recently realized how unusual the skill set kind of is for people. It's, it's simple for me and I don't know why, but that's just, it comes easy. But I think the thing is, is what you just said about you don't have to do it alone is if you can't see your way through all the steps, that's exactly where somebody else can help. Or if you're stuck in like an emotional space with something, that's exactly where a coach could help. Like, and it's, it's those stuck places and that resistance you're talking about. It's not impossible to get through it. Like if you're launching a website, there's steps. Somebody's done it before. So you could Google it or you could just ask somebody that's done it before for their input. And there's something about that too. I mean, maybe it's the same thing as, as some of the other places. Like we get into that small space where we feel like we can't ask for help because it makes us look silly, uninformed, unintelligent. I don't know what, but like, but the asking for help is the easiest way to get through to what you want to do. Yeah. Mindset is like, people are always talking about mindset, but they don't understand what mindset is. Mm, Yeah. Like, I think it's a newer term, right? You got to have the right mindset. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. how do I know what mindset to have? Like, first of all, if you hear one, my dog and two, my 13 year old just came home and he's like, I can hear him yelling for me. So <laughs> hopefully, I don't know if he'll eventually make it to me or not, but he's like, mom, where are you? 
where are you? So <laughs> no we'll problem. see if he finds me in the corner in the basement. Hiding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, awesome. hiding. No worries. Like, oh, she's hiding again. <laughs> These things happen. Oh. Yeah. Well, would you want to explain a little bit about how you think about mindset? Because I think it, it's so true. Like, I I know recently, you know, somebody's like, oh, well, you just need to work on your money mindset. And I'm like, what? Like, mm-hmm. again, like there's, I don't know, is there a subtext there of like either one, I don't, I personally don't know what I'm doing, which of course makes me feel a little bristly, but two, is there some law of attraction magic here that they think is going to happen? If I just change how I'm thinking, you know, I, I so w- would you explain what you mean when you say by yeah, yourself? So I always say, you know, there's a belief and then there's a thought and then there's an action or inaction, and then that creates the reality. So money, for example, we want more money. The belief is, and it could be conscious or unconscious, I have to work really, really hard to make money. Therefore, I just don't have the time or energy to do it right now. These are my thoughts, right? So my Mm -hmm. thoughts are, I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I'm telling myself the story. Oh, this is so hard. I can't do this. The kids are home this summer. School is out. So I can't work as much. So the action or the inaction is like, I'm not really going to work that hard to make that much money. And then you're looking, the reality is you're looking in your bank account and you're like, wow, there's no money there. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you go back to the belief, so the belief, the thought, the action, and the reality, and you're like, I can I can do this. I can make this sustainable. I can make good money in my business while my kids are around. This is what I help my clients with. I'm like, guys, you can do this. You don't need to burn yourself out. You don't need to lose your mind. And you can still, you know, be present with the kids. Yes, it's not going to look like, you know, your friend who doesn't have any children and isn't married. She lives a completely different lifestyle. But what if your thought process is I can work two or three hours a day on my business? I can hire, you know, a project manager or a team. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to work with this many people or I want to do this group or I want to provide this service and I'm going to outsource the rest. Whatever your business model is. And then the action is you're working on that you're working on that model and you also have very you're boundaried with your time. So you're like, okay, from 9 to 12 every day I'm going to work on my business, or I'm going to get up a little bit earlier, like from six to 10, I'm going to work on my business. And then I'm going to be present with the kids. And then you're looking at your bank account and you're like, wow, there's money in there. Yeah. So it's, it's all stems from a belief. Recently, this has been a big game changer for me. So ever since I got sick, I've been on this journey of really understanding my body. And I'm one of those people that's like the ambitious go-getter. Like I am self-motivated. I will do this. Before I was kind of self-motivated out of fear because nobody else was going to do it for me. Right. Right. And I was motivated because I didn't want to lose my home or my family or my kids. So I'm like, okay, I need to turn things around or this isn't going to be a pretty picture. And after I got sick, I was like, okay, how can I do this? So exercise was a big thing that I wanted to incorporate into my life. And I would do CrossFit and I would run and do all these like extreme sports. Okay. Like these extreme things. And it was like all or nothing. I was either on going to the gym or I was off. And recently I started working out from home just 30 minutes a day, which is something I could never do before. But I have like a friend who holds me accountable to it and I make sure I get it done every day. And I changed my eating to very clean eating, 
you know, eating consistently. I'm never hungry and I'm not craving my chips like I always do. (laughs) And because I've been doing this and this has only been three weeks and it's not a pain in the butt, like I will, you know, have that piece of pizza if it's in front of me and I really want it, but I can say no to it. And And I'm like, wow, this is sustainable. You know, it takes me 30 minutes a day to work out. I just, you know, swap that for, I mean, I feel like I have a lot of time, but I just, you know, I'm like, it's a, it's a habit. It's a priority. And then the food thing, I plan for it. And as I plan, it's ready. It's there. I know what I'm doing. So it's a mindset. And what I mean by mindset in that sense is it's just habit. It's ritual and it's making sure you know, you implement it and knowing your why. But I think a lot of it is you just need to be consistent with pursuing your dreams and be consistent and determined. And where before, like I said, it came from a place of fear or determination, like I need to do this or else. Now it's like, you know, I've gone to the next level of what I call in my little model of sustainable ambition my sustainable ambition theory, I talked about this in the TEDx talk, was most of us are living in survival mode. So we're like, oh, we're just putting out fires every day. But as you create consistent habit in your life and you just implement, even if it's like every day for a month, I'm going to drink a liter of water as soon as I get out of bed. And then eventually you go into this momentum phase. And then once you're in the momentum phase, then you jump into a thrival state. And once you jump into a thrival state, you're like, wow, literally you can hear the birds. Everything is louder. It's everything is so much better. You're like, wow, oh my gosh, this is fabulous. So you keep going, but people think I'm either sleeping and depressed or, you know, I've gotten the success bug and I just don't have that in my DNA. And I just don't have it in my DNA. And it's like, no, guys, we create our success. And in order to do that, you have to, one, you have to have a little ounce of belief in yourself. And if you do have a little ounce of belief in yourself, then you you need to hang on that to that 1% and not listen to the negative Nancy, which is going to be the 99%. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I'm hearing there that it's the root and the way that it all starts is that little, the little shift of all the reasons you can't or the stories, capitalist stories, and shifting those to, like you just said, the 1% of, you know what, I can, or here's what I can do that's closer to the thing that I really want because the can'ts will shut you down. I mean, that's that's hard territory to be in. You just feel like you can't. Oh yeah. And if you, but this is, this is not, this is exactly why I think we need each other. Like I'm a huge advocate of community and, and sisterhood. I used to avoid it, like having other women as friends. I used to be like, <laughs> you guys are mean, get away from me. Now I love being around other like-minded women. But you know, if I'm stuck on something, because everybody gets stuck, if I'm stuck on something, like, I just can't do this. I, I can't figure it out, blah, blah, blah. If somebody else is asking me, okay, cool. Tell me why you can't do that. If I actually sit and think <laughs> about it, I'm like, Damn it. There's no reason why I can't. Yeah. I'm caught. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, I love the Byron Katie, the work of like, Oh the question, yes. She's is my it favorite. true? <laughs> no, no. Is it really true? And then like you almost, I mean, there are a couple of occasions. I think she even admits it in some of her, I love the recording of loving what is, but like, I think she admits there's a couple situations where maybe it actually is totally true. Whatever the story is that you've got, but mm-hmm. most of the time you're just caught 
I mean, you catch yourself in it. And now I even catch myself sometimes that I will laugh. Like, I will be like, oh my gosh, Jenkins. I, use, I don't know why I call myself by my last name almost all the time. But like, I don't know, Jenkins, like, I, that's not true. Where'd you come up with it? So, but yeah. it's, that's like the, that's the thing. And I love that you're saying that, that like, how do you question it? And it's a loving questioning of self, but yeah. catching yourself in that moment and saying, wait, no, this isn't even true. Where'd I get this idea? Well, if you can. Then- and if- yeah. yeah. And even if like I'll work with people who are struggling with, you know, really understanding their being very triggered by their children. Mm. And it's like, is your is it true that your son is disrespectful? Yes. Mm. He is very disrespectful. Okay. Is it absolutely you're absolutely one hundred percent without a doubt, you know he's disrespecting you, like he's being disrespectful. And then when you sit with it, you're like, no, no, he's just mad. Yeah. And I would be mad too. And then it's like, okay, who are you without that story? Mm. And then you're like, wow, I've carried this story forever. I don't know how to parent without that story. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And then I love when Byron Katie tells you to turn it on yourself. (gasps) I'm just, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, (laughs) this is my, this is my game changer. I am disrespecting my child. Mm -hmm. I am disrespecting myself. Yes. And if people are like, wait, what's this amazing thing you guys are talking about? Well, I'll link it up because it really, I found that listening to her walk through it with other people is probably the quickest mm-hmm. uptake on like how you get it. But just that question, and she calls that the turnaround of like, how do I make this thing that I'm carrying around as a story? How is it actually about me? And it, yeah, to hear people kind of sit with the reality of if the, if the story is my child is being disrespectful, to hear them sit with the moment of, I am disrespecting my child is, I mean, it almost brings me to tears every time as a person realizes what the difference is. Mm-hmm. Ugh, and yeah. a lot of people, I think, you know, when I started my whole business, it's, well, my podcast called mom is in control because parenting is such a big part of it. You know, <laughs> in psychology, you learn about the different types of parenting, right? Like those old school yeah. authoritarian, authoritative, whatever. and. And I'm like, I don't care what type of parent you are. Are you disrespecting your child? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they can get past that, well, my, ch- you know, I am the adult and they are the child. And I'm like, so you're, you're showing your child that it's okay for them not to have a voice. How do you think that's going to affect them when they're adults? Right? Right. Yeah. So the interesting part about that is we're shifting how we were parented. We were shifting how our parents were parented. We're creating new neural pathways in the brain. This is a really juicy topic because, I mean, if you look back, like little house on the prairie mentality, children should be seen and not heard, right? Yeah. And you only spoke when spoken to. I mean, there's really like, not that they really embody that, but like of that time frame, that's definitely like, that's kind of how you parent, I think. Like probably Mm -hmm. some people didn't, but how is it that we shift now to this place of like you're saying, I could see then that child gets brought up and then how do they navigate their way if they've always been told they need to be seen and not heard? How do they ever have a voice in the world? Like that's a huge transformation for them to get to that space. Yeah. And so, I think that's a lot of the parents in this generation are doing a, undoing a lot of that work and saying, I don't want to parent the way that I was parented. And they're very confused because 
they're, they feel too lax, right? Like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to abuse my child physically, mentally, emotionally. So now I don't know what to do. I don't know where to hold my power. I don't know where to stand firm, how to hold a boundary because nobody taught me. Yeah. Well, and how do we, cause that's a different form. I mean, it's kind of a different form of leadership. I'm using bunny, you know, air quotes, but like, it really is a different kind of stance of I can still be the person that has the authority in this situation, but it doesn't mean that I have to tell someone to shut them down or how do people navigate that space to step into authority that doesn't involve intimidation or absolutes. Yeah, I think it's conviction, like having personal conviction with yourself of who you want to be and how you want to show up. And I always go back to how do you want to feel? So example, parenting. I want to feel connected and respected in my relationships with my children. Does that mean they never yell at me? Of course they yell at me. Does that mean they ever say to me, mom, you're mean for, you know, putting up this boundary or this rule? I get it all the time. And I also get called a weirdo a lot by my children because I do things very differently than their friends' parents. And I'm okay with that because I'm not triggered by it. I've done my Byron Katie work mm-hmm. <laughs> on that topic. I get triggered by many other topics, but it, I'm just not triggered by that anymore. I'm like, that's cool. I love being called a weirdo. Thank you. Like I'm, I'm fine with that. Right. But if I was triggered before I had to work through it because I would react and, but there are ways that I will just not tolerate certain things. So if a child, what I call something I talk about a lot is the red, green, and yellow zones. Mm-hmm. And if your child is in a red zone, especially if you're raising a teenager and your child is in a red zone and they're having their moment, you cannot resolve that problem when they're in the red zone. So you have to wait until they're in their green zone again to talk about it. So my son will get mad and he'll act out and say something very disrespectful. And I will say in that moment, I'll bite my tongue and I'll just, oh, sometimes I got deep teeth wounds in my tongue and I will bite it hard. I will say, okay, Heather, walk away, walk away. And then sometimes it's a few hours later. Sometimes it's minutes later. Sometimes it's days later. And I'm like, remember in the car the other day when you got mad at me because I said I wouldn't buy you a new iPhone 20 and you got mad at me and you said, yada, yada, yada. That was very disrespectful and I won't tolerate it. Next time that happens, I'm just going to pull over you're going to have to get out and you're going to have to walk home wherever you are. Like it's, I'm letting you know right now it's a non-negotiable. It's not happening. So I've set the stage so that when it does happen, there's a natural consequence. And then next time when he says that, I'm like, oh, remember we had that conversation two weeks ago? Yeah, you can get out of my car now. Yeah. And I just hold that. I hold that and I, I just, I shut it down. When people, you know, a big thing I talk about too is energy leaks and we'll have people in our lives that just suck the life out of us. Mm, um, yes. I just walk away now. I'm like, hey, you know, it's like I got a, fu- a bucket full of water and they're like, hey, here's my cup. I'm just going to dip into it. Mm. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm just walking over here. I'm like, I just don't even tolerate it anymore. I just shut it down. I, I Sometimes I even get off the phone with people. Like if I had friends and family that I'm like, oh, I can't handle handle this. I'm like, yeah, I just don't want to have this conversation anymore. And I'm like, let them go. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love that. A friend's, a friend's mom calls that a starfish because they just suck onto you. Right. Yeah. Like, and just take it all. And that's really interesting. Cause I think that is a different, well, that's a, a different level of loving yourself and also setting a very, what beautiful precedent for like, this is not what I want in my life. Yeah. I've, I've definitely 
done that as well. Because those people can just, they'll just keep taking. They'll just keep taking. What's her name? Dr. Christine Northrup just mm. launched a book, Dodging Energy Vampires. <gasps> oh, and I'm going to read it. <laughs> yeah, the title is very, very good. But it talks about empaths. The whole book is based off of like, you know, it's pretty much the reader is an is an empath, somebody who's highly sensitive and just, you know, we want to give, give, give to these people. We love them so much, but she uses science. She uses practicality of talking about how, why they're not beneficial. And, you know, I'm, I'm a lover of all people. And I understand that some people are really struggling, you know, when they say, don't surround yourself with negative people. Well, some negative people are really struggling. And when we push them out of our lives, we're pushing people away that actually need us. So there's this fine balance. But I'm also a huge fan and advocate of sending love Mm, and, and toleration. So it's like, hey, I get that you're, you know, in a moment right now, what do you need from me? Right? It's the whole concept of taking back control, like mom is in control is is leadership, it's independence. So it's coaching other people how to coach themselves, how to show up in their life. And you say to that person, like, cool, what do you need from me? I just need to have a conversation with you. Well, right now I don't want to have that conversation. So, you know, you can either call a crisis hotline or you can go to therapy or I don't know, go for a run or something. But I've had people, you know, in my life say, you're never there when I need you. And I'm like, yeah, but you need me in the middle of the day when I'm working and I can't just stop everything and drop it for you. So what do you need to implement in your life in order to get what you want? And then I can be the icing on the cake for you, but it can't just be, you know, a take, take, take relationship. And some people will understand that and some won't. And so that's when I just send love and I'm like, universe, please take care of them because they're killing me. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That comes from such a, a place of love too. That's, I, mm-hmm. I, I love it very much. Yes. Cause I think it is, it's important to send everybody, I don't know, just that sense of love of, cause I think when we know we're all interconnected and we, I mean, I do truly sense that I, I love all of humanity and there's parts of people that know that's not okay. And I don't like that part of them, but I think knowing where we sit with it and knowing that we can love someone from a distance and it doesn't mean we have to get wrapped into whatever they've got going on. It's Mm -hmm. also appropriate (laughs) and a loving act. Yeah. And it's not, it's not our pain to take away from others because that's their, that's part of their spiritual path. Mm, Yes. Mm. Well, would you, I'm, I'm amazed personally that we're almost to that hour mark. So I want to, I want to keep us to our schedule, but would you like to tell people how they can find you, your, your podcast? Is there anything that also that you're offering for folks if they wanted to work with you? Yes. So you can get the podcast. Mom is in control. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, check that out there. My kind of home online is my website, my name. So Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com. You can watch the TED Talk there. And I got a whole bunch of freebies on my site. So things learning about energetic time management. I do a conference called Teach Your Kids to Meditate, where you can learn more about mindfulness and understanding your kids. There's lots of freebies there. I also, I work with people in a mastery program. It's kind of a intensive where I'm helping women just get their shit together in their life and create the community that they've been craving. And all of this information is 
on my website, but I do talk a lot about these tips and strategies and stories on the podcast. Awesome. And I will link up to all of those in the show notes for folks as well. And then there's the last two questions and I'm so, I don't know, I feel like this, especially this first one, because you talk so much about resistance in your work. And I know you love the war of art, which I always mix up the art of war, but that's a different book. Yeah. So where have you seen resistance come up in your life and how have you worked with it? Oh my gosh. Writing. Okay. I Well, I've had resistance in all areas of my life, but you know, they say whatever's in front of you is what you're going to remember the most. So that's definitely writing. Mm-hmm. And I've just had to run towards it. I've been wanting to write a book for 15 years and, you know, I had huge belief systems around like, Heather, you can barely spell your name, let alone write a book. And that has nothing to do with that. I remember it like goes back to your childhood wounds, right? Like, oh, I sucked at spelling and grammar and all of that has nothing to do with writing a book. So there's so much resistance there. But I'm also, the more I dive into this creative process, the more I realize that what we resist the most is exactly where we need to go, because that is part of our sole purpose. And the closer we get to our soul, the more resistance there's going to be. And that's kind of how we get to freedom because it's on the other side. So I've been running towards it. I've been trying to chunk it down into little baby steps, you know, definitely getting the support that I need, having that community around me and just being devoted and committed that even though I'm resisting it, I'm, I'm still going to get it done. Mm, I love it. And then last, and of course, most joyfully, where Sorry, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? Oh, that's a good question. One, I think it would be easier to jumpstart joy in other people's lives because when we are in a place of service, that's when we feel better about ourselves because it's actually a very selfish thing to do. And so giving, giving back, jumpstarting your own joy, like giving back to somebody else, definitely asking yourself, what do I want? And even if it's something like a shower, a bath, an ice cream cone, a silent walk for, you know, one of my clients said 48 hours to myself. And I was like, make it happen. Make it happen. We really need to ask ourselves, what is it that I want? What is it that I crave? What is it that I desire? And you don't need to start with big things like I want to quit my job. I want to travel to Bali. I want a new house. I want all these things. You need to start with baby steps and start taking those little sips of water instead of trying to chug the whole glass because you'll choke. Yes. Mm, thank you so much, Heather. Yay. This has been so much fun to have you on. And wow. Thank you so much. Thank you, Paul. Heather, thanks so much for joining me on the show this week. It was a real treat to get to speak to you. And thank you for sharing your story and your voice with all of us. If you want to find out more about Heather, you can find the show notes to this episode at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Heather, and you will find links to her show, to the TED Talk, to her website, and how you can work with her. So be sure and go and check that out while you're there. Of course, there are 148 other episodes just waiting for you, and you can find them all on the site. Also, if you have not yet subscribed to the show, Please, if you are here and listening at the very end, would you please do me the honor of hitting the subscribe button and maybe even leaving a review within iTunes. It really helps the show get discovered by other people and it means a lot. I love getting all your reviews. So thank you. Next week on the show, I'm going to jump into that four, that series of four episodes 
where I'm going to be doing some mini shows, some 10 minute ish episodes where I talk about some things that have really stood out for me in the last year. And one of my favorite books has been Essentialism by Greg McCowan. I'm going to talk about how I see essentialism playing out in my life, how it feeds into project management, which is a favorite topic, of course. And then we will move on to some other topics. So I hope you'll come on back next week to hear more about essentialism. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.